0: Be a real good book to see become a movie.
1: What's that? Bill,
0: the Bible, the holy <laughs> one.
1: Yeah,
2: I was honestly about to say that too. <laughs> Think uh, about sure it, man.
0: Ch- Christians have, have gotten on that and made a whole bunch of stories from the Bible, and then you got like you got Mel Mel the anti semite Gibson making you know the passioni della Cristo. Mm-hmm.
2: What we really need is like that 46 hour, like s- super cut of the line by line retelling of the Bible.
0: Uh, do we? Mm-hmm. I mean, we got you know what fo- this
2: country, what this country needs now a little bit of Jesus,
0: uh, supply side Jesus or real Jesus. Cause we got <laughs> supply side Jesus for days.
1: Yeah. Right. Ugh.
0: We, we could use some of that real Jesus.
2: <laughs> I was, I honestly was thinking about this question and like, I know we talked about it a while ago and I had plenty of time to think up a reasonable answer, but I'm just kind of like looking at my bookshelf and it's like battle Royale and ready player one and Ender's uh, game. And huh. like- <laughs>
0: oh, If only they made movies of those movie books.
2: Like, the last book I'm down to at this point is like Stranger in a Strange Land, which is a uh, Heinlein science fiction story.
0: Uh, I feel like there's an option for that out there.
2: Yeah. I don't think it would make a very good movie because it's not like, I don't think it's a story that needs to be told in a visual medium, but they could do it, sure.
0: There's actually a recent book trilogy I have been reading that I would like to see, and it's called the Powder Mage Trilogy. Mm -hmm. And what it is is like there's wizards in all this world, but it's in the age, it's uh, early tech, industrial revolution is going on. So, like, there's some steam printing presses and stuff like that. And the combat is centered on like line battles and Napoleonic rifle squares and stuff like that. Huh. And yeah. uh the powder mages uh as characters uh control and are uh buffed by imbibing like powder either through snorting it or like taking it in the mouth. So like just <laughs> dumping yeah. dumping gunpowder in on their in their mouth. <laughs> uh, like one of the characters can uh he's called teniel two shot and he loads two <laughs> rounds into his flintlock and is able to float them using powder somehow Matt, like a magic sure, literally sure that. sure yeah uh, and he's <laughs> killed people from like two like 6 miles
2: away nice
0: yeah so <laughs> i want to see that i want to see dope ass ma- uh, dope ass powder mages that are like of the people killing uh oh the other thing is there's like this really great classist thing where like Mm -hmm. it starts with the main character uh who's a field marshal who rose through the ranks killing the king of his country
2: (laughs) i mean it does sound like a real good story and something that would be spectacular to see like like in live action (sighs)
0: Yeah, because that'd be cool to see like these big masses of of individuals in rifle squares and like, you know, a revolution and all that. Like it's fun. It's a, a good old, a good old a good old bloodying of the of the nobility is always uh <laughs> is always good.
2: Yeah. I think if I were to, if I were to give a a good answer, I'm like I can see my watchmen book from here, but um I think, yeah that's
0: never been adapted
2: <laughs> not that i can ever remember <laughs> uh they certainly didn't use a shitty cover of hallelujah um i think of an american version of battle royale would be uh would be a good place to go because like the japanese movie is good but it's got a lot of that it's kind of got that uh overwrought like anime sensibility of like people shouting at each other off cliffs like there's some good quiet moments but
0: yeah which is actually what the book does really well is a lot of these quiet mm-hmm. moments um like the whole character arc it's kind of like destroyed in the movie is the like the the class genius that's best friends with the main character uh yeah. spends the entirety of the book hacking into the actual government computers to upload a virus right
2: Hmm. To disable the exploding collars and stuff. Yeah.
0: And the absolute mad lad does it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But his whole thing is like literally, whatever it cuts to him, he's like doing another hack. He's like getting further. He's getting closer. And like at multiple points, uh, he like he gets defeated and whatnot, and like like really distraught. And it's like this great juxtaposition for from the crazy, literally sociopathic member of the school um of the classroom who on a whim just decided that he was going to go for it rather than like fight against it
2: mhm yeah and, and then, like, then there's the the like ringer transfer student and
0: who is yeah. also like dope
2: <laughs> yeah and you know i, th- I but i think a, a problem that it would run into like trying to get made in like modern Hollywood has got a lot of things to say about like the government and controlling the rebellious youth and fascism, the battle Royale program. And like now that stuff would either just get stripped out or you'd put it in the future where it's like some, you know, it basically become hunger games. Mm,
0: Yeah. You you just, (laughs) instead of, instead of individual, uh, one classroom each year chosen for a battle Royale, it's like, have all these, you know, let's let's not say states, because states are so blasé. <laughs> let's let's say districts, and then they yeah. they gotta fight for favor.
2: Rigid class structure. I
0: think I think an interesting way to do it as a Western adaptation would be to like just get Western money behind it independently, but have a Japanese cast. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I think that could be good. Because it, to me the the story is like no, as a tangent is like an inherently Japanese story enough mm-hmm. that like, it doesn't work. Like you could like, even if you changed it and westernized it to like a Western boarding school, to me, it would still come off like a Blico experiment or that other one. That's basically that, but I think it has Margot Robbie in it or something. Mm-hmm. And, and then a mix of the purge, it would feel too much like the purge, which is, no one wants that because that's already been done and it's not really got anything more to say. Nor was it great. The second yeah. movie was okay.
2: Yeah. Or if or if you put it in like a US public school or something, then you've got then I feel like the Hollywood playbook becomes like, okay, let's play off stereotypes of like Yeah. Then it could be like then you could take it into like schlocky horror territory, which I think would also be kind of funny as long as it's like not super shitty about it, but also not the point of battle Royale either. So, Uh,
0: and again, like the thing that the book is like, like doing is yes, it's, it's indulging in those stereotypes, but it's like the Japanese version of those stereotypes is like more real. Like the, uh, the one female that is using her, To spoil a little bit more of Battle Royale because, you know, it's like a 20-year-old book, more so, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) 25-year-old book. It can drink. This book can drink a beer (laughs) in America. Um,
2: Get lowered rates on rental cars. Yeah.
0: (laughs) There's already a thing where Japanese high school girls do, like, go on paid dates with older men mm-hmm. for money. And oftentimes a lot of these girls will end up sleeping like, cause prostitution is vaguely legal in Japan. Just don't yeah. ask. And then they don't tell as long as you're Japanese. It's cool. If you're a foreigner, Uh-uh-uh. those dirty guy jeans better stay out of it. Um, right. And so there's a character that's already like start does stuff like that to try to make her way through the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: It's, yeah, I mean, it's a really good story, and and I enjoyed the movie a lot, but also, like, there is just a disconnect, because I didn't grow up in Japanese culture, where I kind of have to, like, not only, like, look at the translated English, but then translate the culture as well, and I think...
0: Yeah, yeah, I I wonder if we actually had the same translation edition. uh, For the book? Yeah, because it kind of has, like, that glossy red cover, with the, the two students in silhouette.
2: Yeah, I've got it. Mine's in yeah paperback, but yeah, or it's not like as glossy. But I, I think it's the same story, basically. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a message that that people or an interesting story with a message that people, you know, could need to hear. But not everyone wants to have the Japanese version of that. So who knows? Uh, I think. You but can also call them bigots. <laughs> yeah. Also, powder mages for your sounds sweet as fuck as well, right? <laughs> Maybe we can combine the two.
0: Powder Royale. <laughs> that, Harry Potter oh no, and the Powder that sounds Royale sounds like a crummy mobile game.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but it's about baking cakes or something, or powdered sugar donuts. It's it's a donut baking f- cell phone game oh god uh patent that shit Matchcut yeah. podcast 2020 uh June 13th <laughs> fucking yellow
2: we're now accepting vC ahead of our IPO we're really looking to shift a dynamic and uh yeah as long synergize. as uh,
0: once there's enough bandwidth we'll circle around back to it but right now we gotta we gotta focus on the the key the keystone uh problems within this uh, pipeline. <laughs>
2: I, I can't think of any more corporate lingo. I just I, hate I it so I died, much.
0: I think I died a little bit inside.
2: <laughs> These are the sacrifices we have to make. Should we do a? Should we do a podcast?
0: <laughs> we should do a podcast.
2: <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the Matchup Podcast, the movie podcast where we take two movies with the exact same rating on IMDb and break that tie. My name is Aaron. I'm here with my friend and co-host Matt. Hello. Hi. Before we get to the movies, if you'd like to reach, up, reach out to us with suggestions or comments, you can email us at MatchCutPod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at MatchCut. Here on the old MatchCut podcast, we're no strangers to movies based on books. Uh, we've covered The Revenant and the Martian, Gone Baby Gone, Shutter Island, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and Sherlock Holmes, which are based on characters from books, uh, Soylent Green, iRobot, and Dread, and uh, now... Excalibur never ending stories, so we're experts.
0: Yay, experts! (laughs) Uh,
2: This episode's matchup is about the power of story and legend, a leader's connection with the land, and learning from failure. So mount your steeds, stay away from swamps. And remember, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. <laughs> supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not some farcical aquatic ceremony. You can't wield supreme executive power just because some watery tart threw a sword at you. It's time for Excalibur versus Never Ending Story.
0: Bloody peasant.
2: <laughs> you see? You see what I'm all on about? <laughs> The violence inherent in the system. Shut up! <laughs> help! Help! I'm being repressed.
1: <sighs> so,
2: what was everyone's? That that scene is fantastic. I rewatched it to get that dialogue, and oh, it's so good
1: <laughs> and um, poignant. Um,
0: it, it, in kind of a way, I think most people's experience with something like Excalibur, as it is such a Western er story is through mm-hmm. cultural osmosis of other versions of it. And I want to yeah. say my first exposure to the idea of King Arthur was Disney's The Sword and the Stone. Um, yeah. My first exposure to the actual movie Excalibur made in the nineteen, made in eighty-one or something like that. I can't remember. Um, yeah, 81. Cool, I got it right. Um, <laughs> was, I believe, on... Syndicated TV, so with commercials, so it turns a nearly three-hour movie into like a four and a half-hour movie. It's almost insufferable.
1: (laughs) Um,
2: yeah, I I hadn't like I had heard the King Arthur legend, of course. Like you know, there's kid in King Arthur's court. There's obviously the Disney film. There's um, I think Page Master. If you remember that, I think dips into.
0: Yeah, I remember Page Master. She's yeah, Macaulay Culkin as a cartoon kid.
2: Oh, it's real good. I I don't want to go back and watch it because I'm not sure if it holds. That's animated. It might anyway. Mostly um, animated. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um. So yeah, I, I had kind of you know was familiar with the King Arthur legend. I actually watched the uh, Guy Ritchie Arthur so movie before I. this.
1: Whew.
0: Man, is that a? <laughs> That was supposed was to be part of a 10-picture franchise with Guy Ritchie at the helm of all 10 of them.
1: Uh,
2: I mean, I want Guy Ritchie to have work. It's just not that work. Um, what do you need of Guy Ritchie's voice in Arthurian
0: legend?
2: I mean, those sick uh, alleyway scenes with uh, a well-chosen soundtrack mostly what I need.
0: Okay, I would have rather, though, had another Sherlock Holmes than that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, true. Like, all
0: it was was Sherlock Holmes, but with Charlie Hunnam instead of Robert Downey (laughs) Jr. And Jude Law was in it as well! Jude Law was in that movie!
1: (laughs) Just give Um, me Robert
0: Downey Jr. and Jude Law, and adapt whatever was after Rhinebeck falls into a third Sherlock film to get the an actual conclusion. Damn it.
1: <laughs> um Go watch the never...
0: gentleman, it's great.
2: Oh shit, I still need to watch that. All right. Um, but never ending story I'd never seen before this. I'd obviously like heard of of some of the characters like Falcor yeah! and Yeah. And uh R-Tax, like I, I th- that, I that kind of stuff comes up.
0: I definitely remember watching Never Ending Story when I was a kid. Um, and not understanding what was going on, as kids are wont to do.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, it becomes less of a... It becomes less important to understand the uh, plot structure when you're a child. It's more like, hey, flying dragons.
0: I was always weirded out about the parts of it, though, like, huh?
2: Yeah, the faces and stuff, but... Anyway, besides being linked by their IMDb score, these movies are also separated by two degrees of separation. Uh, Nigel Terry, who plays King Arthur, was in On Wings of Fire with Derek Jacoby. And Derek Jacoby was in The Secret Garden, a Hallmark made-for-TV adaptation with Barrett Oliver, who plays Bastion. So both are rated at a 7.4 on IMDb, but one of them must be better than the other. Uh, Let's talk about it, starting with Excalibur right after this. Excalibur is a
0: 1981 movie written by Rospo Pallenberg. That sounds like a a Nandegar. And John (laughs) Borman, based on the book by Thomas Mallory and directed by John Borman, starring Nigel Terry Helen Mirren, Nicholas Clay, Sherry LeHiggy, and a bunch of other recognizable faces from British acting. Mm
1: -hmm. Writer
0: Rospo Pallenberg is best known for this movie in The Emerald Forest in 85, which would be the movie that ended his creative partnership with John Borman. Pallenberg also directed an early uh, Brad Pitt movie, Cutting Class, currently rated at a prestigious 4.4. Director John Borman is best known for Deliverance as well as The Emerald Forest. Uh, 1967's Point Blank uh, which is a really interesting film actually uh, and Zardoz, the movie that gave a Sean Connery in a red speedo and bandolier suspenders that he made while he was on acid not a joke, <laughs> literal trivia <laughs> Excalibur is the story of Arthur Pendragon Nigel Terry, a lowly squire destined to wield the sword Excalibur thus proclaiming him King of the Britons Aided in his journey to unite the land in peace and prosperity by the legendary wizard Merlin, uh, Nicole Williamson, Arthur gathers allies to his cause and founds a kingdom based not on might and violence, but in justice and order. I didn't vote for you. That's like the best summary I could come up with because this movie, like every time I added another line, of like, well, then that happens. And it's like, the movie is like and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and, then, and it's over.
2: Yeah. It's interesting that you say that about this movie because that's how I kind of felt about never ending story, but we'll get there. Um But like you said, yes, yeah, it's, it's a very it's a very like recognizable Western story or legend, it, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's like it's so all encompassing. And that the book it's based on, I believe, is La Mort de Art, uh, mm-hmm. which is the most comprehensive and seminal work on Arthurian legend adapting like Fifty to a hundred years of spoken word and some written story into a cohesive narrative structured book.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's like four volumes or something, or like typically yeah. split up into multiple parts and
0: and and the the other thing to like to make note about Arthurian legend is a it is literal legend. So much of it was adapted to fit the different Bretonian cultures. At the times, different viewpoints as a backing. Um, that there's so much that like, is this an original work? Is this actually part of it? Okay, what gets adapted from other things? And then the French get in there and add their own ori- <laughs> original character OC. Please don't steal of Lancelot. That's why yeah. he's the best knight. Is because it's the French.
2: <laughs> um, uh, oddly, though, he never surrenders. Weird.
0: No. um, (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Um, But like, there's so much to adapt that it's nearly impossible to create a cohesive narrative. So when you hear like on its face, a 10 picture deal about Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table sounds bad. And like, there's not enough story. But then you come back to it. And if like you're an Arthurian scholar, which is a thing that you can be. There is yeah. so much story. It's like, what do I adapt and what don't I adapt?
1: Mm-hmm. I,
2: I think it was an interesting choice. So like, you know how the more modern Spider-Man movies, like uh, the Tom Holland ones kind of just skip the entire origin story of like, here's yeah. an uncle who dies and here's him getting the spider bite. And, you know, cause it's like, blah, blah, blah. We've all already heard that.
0: It, there's enough have... cultural Moses around it, yeah, that you know that.
2: Yeah, I would have loved if they just skipped the whole like first Pulling 30 minutes of the this stone. movie.
1: Yeah,
0: I you know, I think it is mildly important at the very least to get Uther and Uther's fall mm-hmm. because you need to see what kind of man was the poor version of a, a king that united the Britons. Because as part of Arthurian legend. Uther Pendragon did unite the land beforehand. Uther Pendragon, by the way, in this movie played by Gabriel Byrne, which is you know just throw another British actor into there. Not that he's <laughs> British, he's Irish or Sc- Irish. Um, uh, but yeah, that's he united the realm. But then because he's such an arrogant ass, he breaks apart the realm over some tale.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, which. I'm not going to say relatable, because I've never been in that exact situation, but, like,
1: <laughs> hmm.
2: you know, it, it is nice Rule to have... Rule over
0: all the people, or get one woman for one night.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've all felt strong feelings before of love and lust, but...
0: It's lust. Like, let... let... <laughs> sure,
2: Uther yeah.
0: Uther yeah. is a scumbag.
2: <laughs> True, yeah. But, um... I mean, some some stuff I did like from the beginning. Um, it really felt like kind of storybook ish. Like with the shots of torch-bearing men on top of like heavy-breathing horses was was super cool. There's a lot and- of you know, like
0: really interesting like composition of the shots in certain parts of this. Uh to me, this movie has like three distinct acts, mm-hmm. and it has a prologue like the the Uther Pendragon stuff is the prologue. Once that's done, you go into act 1, which is Arthur uh pulling the sword from the stone at a tourney and then him becoming, you know, Arthur king of the Britons, which happens off-screen. Don't worry about that. We got more story to tell. Yeah. But then you cut to Lancelot questing uh abroad, which is a thing that happens most of the Arthurian legend is knights going on quests of uh of honor and, you know, to prove their fealty and loyalty to the crown,
2: yeah, um, side that's, quests.
0: That's where you get uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, and that's about the only story most people know, including myself. Which there's supposed to be a dope <laughs> adaptation of that this year from A twenty four Pictures. It'll probably drop in the next five minutes, and it'll be like a, th- a thousand percent on Metacritic. <laughs> but uh, that looks interesting. Yeah, and then the The third act is the quest for the Holy Grail, the literal Holy Grail, um, right, to restore Arthur and the and Camelot after it's been established and declined, though. Um, that's probably my favorite act because of like how grimy it all is and how like dirty and like depressing it all is. It's got the like the strongest like art direction of the whole movie.
2: And I think it's the most interesting part of the story, like partly for me, because it's the part of the story I haven't heard a million times before.
0: Right. You but know, also it's got knows. like,
2: yeah, it's like these weird interconnected, like love octagons and cause triangles would be too simple. It's got and incest. It's got incest. I mean, game of Thrones has literally paved the way for this to like come back.
0: Yeah. You I know. would like to see this in all honesty, like, I like this movie. It's fine to kind of, like, sum, sum it up. Um, the sensibilities are there, and the problem is it has so much story to tell, again, because there is so much story that it doesn't have enough time. But now that we're in an age of cinematic universes, interconnected movies telling one story continuously through them of uh, uh, multiple different types doing that, Someone like a Peter Jackson coming to this and doing a three to four picture experience of,
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay, here's Uther Pendragon and it's, it's the prologue and that's one movie. And it ends with Arthur being born or whatnot, or Merlin absconding with Arthur, mm-hmm. um, which is actually kind of what happens, I guess, in some of them. I don't know. I haven't read Lamorte to art. I don't got time for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the next movie is Arthur on his quest to create the kingdom of Camelot, and you know gather his allies and create the Round Table. Uh, then the next one is skipping ahead to like some of the last of the the questing knights, or maybe just tell the Grail Knights uh, in entirety, like the whole movie is just the Grail Knights. Mm-hmm. And then you go with like uh, it dovetails into. Uh, Mordred's war for Camelot against Arthur and again, the legend that Arthur shall return to the Britons when the time is right and he is most needed. Yeah. Which um, apparently the legend... <laughs>
2: Any day the- now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, not needed yet. Um, yeah, Apparently that legend is actually based on uh, a battle that we know took place in like five... Hundred something like that. Uh roughly around the fall of the Roman Empire, and especially their their retreat from England, uh, with apparently a guy named Artorius. Hmm. And he was a Roman commander that like left and when if he when he returns, he will be the, the rightful leader of our people, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, spoiler, he never did because Rome collapsed and, and they, they abandoned Londinium and, and the Welsh and all of them. Yeah. And now you have the uni- modern United Kingdom.
1: A
2: perfect government.
0: Perfect.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Also, you know, the sensibilities this movie could use some updating. I mean, all all this stuff kind of sounds like it comes from a play and and... Obviously, there have been plays made about this, but, like, the way the movie is presented, I mean, it, it sounds and feels like a stage play. Um, yeah. Also, like, they they have these amazing sets, but also th- the amount of, like, extras and stuff that, you know, maybe you're used to seeing with CGI or just, like or like in those crazy big budget movies of like the twenties when they're just like money's free. We don't need to like, also <laughs> oh, we to pay budgets. these people
0: as a sandwich.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know? So like those things are kind of missing, like you kind of all the camera shots show like, like 12 people on screen.
0: Yeah. I like, mean, like there's a big castle siege and it has like 40 extras maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, the biggest problem of this movie is like from a blocking and cinematography point of view, everything is like a medium shot mm-hmm. and you get this feels like, well, cause we can't actually afford to show the, the, the scope of it all.
1: Yeah.
2: It's basically the last scene in a uh, Monty Python, the quest for Holy grail.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh,
2: <laughs> Which I'm sure is um, that movie came after this, right? like it was like
0: uh, from i don't late know late 80s I,
2: early 90s
0: if only we had it early <laughs> 90s no oh, no my child
1: um, <laughs> okay um
0: but
2: oh i'm way off 75 it came even before this okay so
0: i mean this is probably that's, like
2: that's my own personal timeline interfering with facts but
0: i would say that you know there's always this is the only movie that I know of that tried in one movie to do the whole King Arthur origin and legend. Mm -hmm. And you know, I give it props for that because as I said, the only way I could see it adapted now is three or four movies, maybe two, but you got to cut out a lot of stuff that people would care about and gives color to the world.
2: Yeah. Or a series on Netflix or HBO or, Something. Netflix has
0: got The Witcher. Let's let's throw out another streaming <laughs> service, uh, Apple TV.
2: <laughs> oh, what about Quibi? Maybe that's the thing it needs to bring it back from the brink. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's that Sony one?
2: Yeah, NBC's got that Peacock streaming now. So
0: Yeah, one of those. They should make, you know, <laughs> Arthur. It should just one word, Arthur, you know. So, you know makes who
2: sense. we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I mean, in for this movie, like great performances, I think, you know, from like Helen Mirren and Patrick Stewart and all these people who like,
0: I think you kind of hit it in the nail on the head because a lot of these guys at the time were doing stage and this feels very much like a big budget stage production of all the plays that might, might actually exist of Arthur or Whoever adapted it, adapted it more like a stage play because the scenes are very much character enters, scene happens, scene over.
2: Yeah, exit stage left.
0: We we don't spend a lot of time in location, establishing location. Like, Camelot gets a little bit, but it's like very quickly, like, move through, get to the round table, here's the round table. That's where the scene takes place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stuff like that is... Um, is it has like a very old style of storytelling that I think uh, another thing that you hit right was, you know, movie from the thirties or the twenties where, you know, we got thousands of extras and hundreds of horse and we can kill the horses because who cares? <laughs> They're horses.
2: <Yeah. laughs> um, They've never contributed anything meaningful to the economy. Get rid of them.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that maybe the time and would have been different but they you know they hadn't made lamort d'art yet i believe so oh
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, let's see anything else oh it's the first time i've heard um camina barana played unironically since high school
0: <laughs> you O know, fortuna
2: yeah same like yeah i think camina Verana is the play or O fortuna is anyway
0: I mean, I think this song is this that's this use in this movie. Oh, that's another thing. This movie, like, barely has music. Mm hmm. Well, and it has O Fortuna and it uses it, like, three times.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I think it's fine usage in this movie, but it's like, didn't we harp on that in another movie that, like, you got one song and you kept using it, like, sound of music?
2: It was, yeah, it was sound of music. It's Obviously, like, and, also based on a stage play. Well, this yeah. isn't, but feels like it.
0: Yeah, and so like I think something that a modern, re- like a modern adaptation, again, could do is bring a more epic, triumphant score in at more parts that would mm-hmm. give it the the help, give a little more grandeur to the proceedings. On
2: yeah, it needs a little extra. Just zhuzh. And like the, the special effects such as they are, like are fine and serve the story fine like that. I didn't find that lacking, but yeah, a little, little music could really liven the place up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Like so the word I want to use at some parts is quaint. It's quaint what they did and what we're, they were trying to do. Hmm. Um, but could be done just a little bit grander.
2: Yeah. So it's also I, really long.
0: <laughs> it definitely feels longer than it actually is. And I think that's, a, again, I think that's a sensibility thing that, you know, times and styles have changed and we don't make movies like this. Like, you know, this came out after Star Wars. And, like, you're going to, like, oh, am I going to go see Star Wars or uh, Empire Strikes Back? I'm going to go see Empire Strikes Back.
2: Do you mean Excalibur or Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. Or are you comparing it to the yeah, original yeah. movie? Yeah. It's it's unfortunate that that's what that movie had to go up against because, you know, one has John Williams and that's just not fair.
0: Well, I mean, just from that and then, you know, talking about sensibilities of change, like the pacing of a Star Wars is more modern. You know, it's telling that three-act structure story that this is an example of the hero's journey. <laughs> and yeah. it's, tell- it's trying to do Star Wars' work. It's basically the DC cinematic universe versus the Marvel cinematic universe. Star Wars was already getting that three picture deal going and had the, the overarching narrative. And this was trying to do that in one picture.
1: Yeah.
2: It's like, Oh, you like, you know, the hero's journey. We've got the original hero's journey. huh? uh, uh, it's like, man, I'd rather watch this one.
0: What was the box office of this in budget? I'm actually curious of now that I brought now that we brought those up because
2: uh, budget was an estimated eleven million and uh, mm-hmm. gross USA was thirty four million.
0: So it made it turned a profit. It was, yeah. but like, what is the budget of uh, the first Star Wars? Comparative eleven million. That seems low.
1: Yeah. Um
2: so that would be about 32 million adjusted for inflation and then a new hope which was made in 77 also had a budget of 11 million.
0: Okay, so different uses of budget but you know different time. Okay, then a, a fair comparison would be when what is Empire Strikes Back's budget because that's going to be bigger.
2: Yeah once they had had success and it's like oh shit uh, 18 million
0: but, some, but not by much interesting
2: Yeah. gross 290 million Whew.
0: sure was I mean compare that to like what the budget for the Star Wars movies now you know quarter of a billion gross is a billion
1: <laughs> yeah
2: one more thing Arthur's kid looks like Max Verstappen
0: uh yeah yeah you're right
2: <laughs> should we uh should we talk about never ending story now
0: we should talk about never ending story now
2: all right let's uh, go The NeverEnding Story is a 1984 movie written by Wolfgang Peterson and Herman Weigel, based on the book by Michael Ende and directed by Wolfgang Peterson, starring Barrett Oliver, Noah Hathaway, and Tammy Strong. Tammy,
1: <laughs> Tammy Strong.
2: <laughs> Tammy Stronach. Uh, writer Herman Weigel is best known for this movie and being an associate producer on The Name of the Rose, another Sean Connery movie where he unfortunately does not wear a red Speedo.
0: In the name of the Roche.
2: <laughs> Weigel also created a German TV show titled Housemaster Kraus, which ran for eight seasons between 1999 and 2010 and won several awards in Germany. Writer and director Wolfgang Peterson is best known for his work on Das Boot, Outbreak, and Air Force One.
0: Get off my plane.
2: <laughs> no ticket. Mm. Bastian is a young troubled boy dealing with the death of his mother at home and the bullies at school. One day, while running from those bullies, he takes refuge in a local bookstore. The condescending bookstore owner then basically invites him to steal a book titled The Never Ending Story. However, when Bastion finally finds a place, a quiet place to read it in his school's attic, he finds the line between his reality and the ra- reality of the book are not quite as well defined as he expected. So, I think... I forgot to talk about it in Excalibur, but both of these movies have like pretty cool effects in their openings. Like I liked the title treatment in Excalibur. And this yeah. one has those like ink and water clouds, um, yeah. at the opening, which I thought was a, hey, that's a cool thing to do over, uh, opening credits.
0: I'm going to kind of spoil some of my thoughts. Why is this movie remembered so fondly?
2: I don't know. <laughs> Like, um, I have the benefit of coming to it or n- never having had that associated childhood nostalgia. I guess benefit, whatever. Um, of never having seen it during my childhood, so it's right. like I don't have to like love this in the way that I think other people feel like they have to.
0: I definitely saw it as a kid, but it was never a movie that I locked in as like, yeah, I love that. Like you actually brought up a movie that I I resonated with more and maybe like an only nineties kids uh, remember the page master to (laughs) me. That's, that's a little more like what this is doing, but what I liked, it's also (laughs) Isaac
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, gateway to gateway stories
0: is a pathway to many stories. Some would consider unnatural.
2: (laughs) It's not something a Jedi would teach you.
0: Um, but like, Page Master or Indian in the Cupboard were things I gravitated to more mm-hmm. as stories that I that I liked.
2: Yeah, and I mean those would have been more timely also for our childhoods rather than a nineteen eighty four story. But at the same think,
0: time, you know, I was watching Star Wars as well as a kid.
2: Sure, that's yeah, that's right. Um, I think. A lot of people maybe had like an older sibling who introduced this to them or something, but a, a lot of people our age, I mean, but not everyone, obviously. Um, I mean, I guess right
1: off,
2: right off the bat, like that, that bookkeeper, we both, I noticed this, but like, what a dirt bag,
1: <laughs> uh.
2: like, what a shitty attitude
0: <laughs> yeah. That's like a shitty attitude that we still deal with today, but at least now we call it out when you see it, the gatekeeping of gatekeeping of like, um, you don't actually read real books.
2: You read name five. Books. Yeah. Name five books you've read.
0: Name the f- top five books. <laughs> and so then this kid like lists off, you know, like classic literature books that like are, you know, w- the young adults of, you know, the early nineties and eighties, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, you know, the Jules Verne books and Robert Louis mm-hmm. Stevenson stuff. It's like, yeah, it's not unreasonable to have expected a kid to have read those things.
2: Yeah, and it's like, oh, now you're worthy. Anyway, what a, what a garbage person. But I mean, also, maybe that's the kind of reverse psychology it takes to get a kid to steal a book from you.
0: Yeah, that was like the whole thing. Like, he has that knowing look on his face when uh, Bastion uh, runs away with it hmm so it's like oh, okay
2: the curse is yours now kid no give backsies
0: <laughs> oh that would be a dope like <laughs> like dark version of this story is like the only way to get like to move this curse off of you of like la- the book influencing life events in you and the like terrible things <laughs> is to get someone to take it from you unknowingly
1: <laughs> yeah
2: uh, I mean, that's my head cannon now. So
0: now that I have spoken that into reality in the next 10 years, we will see that movie.
2: <laughs> I mean, should we mention that they made like a ton of movies after this and TV uh, shows, and... which was
0: a hundred percent, a surprise to me. Cause like, I, like I was um messaging you while I was watching this movie, um, about some of my thoughts, like that helped locked it in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. that like, so they're just dead ass. This kid, like this movie is saying run from your problems. Don't accept your responsibility of the real <laughs> world. Just escape into a fantasy world, all your own and never return to reality. Like that's yeah. what they're doing is like, no, Matt, they made more. I'm like, no, nope, they <laughs> did not. And you're like, no here. They <laughs> made more.
1: Yeah,
2: they made a lot of these, which is weird because like as much as like you said that Excalibur felt like a lot of and then this happened like that was this whole movie for me. It's just like, yeah,
0: the kid like Bastion is just flying through this book. And like, honestly, I remember as a kid watching this movie, I didn't care what was happening to Bastion. Now. Now I understand what they're going for in this movie. Still don't care what's happening to Bash and give me the fantasy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like I, and- I am not necessarily a fan of framed narratives anymore, unless it's like Rashomon, mm. in which case it's doing that for a purpose. Whereas this is just a frame narrative because it's like that in the book, I guess.
1: The only thing that gets away with a
0: frame narrative in the same time frame is a princess bride because Peter Falk (laughs) was a national treasure.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think one of the things that people uh, bring up in remembering this movie is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that stupid horse died in that swamp. And it's like coming into this movie, that was like the one thing I knew about. And like, as far as like the, and then storytelling goes, it's like, We see Atreyu and Artax, and then, like, literally in the next scene, that horse dies because it's too sad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, life probably really got uh, Artax down. Like, you know, he he was really feeling it that day. Like, he had a bad day. And, you know, Atreyu took him to the Swamp of Sadness, and it was just like, he had to remember his wife left him. His kids don't call. <laughs> like, basically, Imo, that horse was probably played by Bojack.
2: <laughs> that would be interesting. But yeah, and then it's like, it's also the Swamp of Sadness. So, obviously, because you didn't get swallowed, he's not super bummed about his horse dying. Yeah. You uh, know, otherwise, he wouldn't have made it out. So, but yeah, I was expecting, like, you get you basically get one scene ahead of that with like Artax the horse like nudging a tray you awake and they like share a little meal and then it's like all right that's all the emotional investment I need for this you know horse death to really pay off and
0: oh wait it's not I yeah you know how you get me to to feel for a horse oh I don't want to actually say this never mind
2: <laughs> think of another horse movie and. You know.
0: War horse. Think about <laughs> I'm just gonna assume I ca you care about that horse. I've never seen it.
2: Yeah. I care more about my horse in Red Dead Redemption 2 than I do about our tax.
0: Uh Sea Biscuit, I care about that horse. And that was real life.
2: Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then like a, like Atreyu just kind of stumbles his way forward, and then it's just like, "Oh, you met the magical dragon. Now all your problems are solved." And it's just like,
0: "Wow, it's a good thing my horse died, or else I wouldn't have been able to take this magic dragon ninety nine thousand miles to my destination." <laughs>
2: Yeah, the, like, challenge of the Sphinx is just kind of nothing. Kid just, like, walks through it.
0: Also, kid gets crib sheets from a, a grail knight from the other movie we watched.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, here's pro tip, how not to get vaporized.
0: Just run real yeah. quick.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Don't think about it. Less oh, thinking, more doing.
0: that's what I should have done, says the ghost <laughs> of the grail knight.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean I don't I don't have a whole lot to say about this story because like the ending is also just kind of like Bastion rides the horse or rides the dragon chases the dragon and I was gonna say
0: maybe this is actually an allegory for heroin usage and escaping (laughs) your problems after
2: after the death of his mother and a generally distant father Bastion becomes deeply involved with heroin (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: that just uh that really tickled me
1: Uh, yeah
0: and just imagining him in the school attic just like shooting up
2: he's just he's just that kid from um bad times the el royale
0: (laughs) (laughs) except without the whole you know ptsd To justify it.
2: Well, I mean, maybe he gets PTSD from all the, like, rough shit that, like, you know, the darkness or whatever, the void, this, like, faceless terror in this story that who cares. Also, I always
0: thought the void was way cooler than all the things I'm supposed to like.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Like. this cool wolf form it's got?
0: Yeah, look at this dope-ass wolf. Oh, I'm supposed to like all these weird misfit creatures that are like ugly to look at. Miss me with that shit.
2: I'm rooting for the void. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fucking sick millennial, bro. Uh, that's,
2: Wait, that's what the, COVID that's means. What the millennials I could
0: run. die and travel for cheap. Sign me the hell up. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna ride this. I'm gonna ride this cheap airfare all the way into the void.
0: Combine that with Spirit Airlines. I'm on.
2: <laughs> I rode Spirit once, uh, and I had to sit 40 minutes at the gate with the other They're like, we're investigating a mechanical issue with our engines. <laughs> Can
0: I leave? <laughs> yeah.
2: Can I, is it, I'll literally any other plane. I'll take any other plane. I'll drive to Austin at this point.
0: <laughs> so yeah. I think I think our silence and us talking about other things kind of speaks. I, I definitely don't think we're the target audience of this. Uh, and that's a shame. And you're getting two different perspectives here. Someone that did watch it as a kid, but it never really resonated with me. And that was like the prime age, like the age of the kids in stranger things and season three of stranger things. They, they touch on one of the characters singing the theme song. And I like, and I'm like thinking, I don't remember a theme song with the lyrics to that movie.
1: Yeah.
0: But apparently it was a thing. <laughs> And like yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be real. If there were kids going around like singing that, I probably would have pushed them into lockers too.
2: <laughs> On the the mean streets of uh, Vancouver, yeah, that's where that is. You know, I I don't know if yeah. you caught the uh, there's a steam powered clock that's kind of in the downtown of Vancouver that is okay. featured in this movie. And I've I've been to that steam powered clock. And I was like, hey, steam power. I was more excited to recognize that than literally anything else in this movie.
0: <laughs> so you should watch Rumble in the Bronx with Jackie Chan because that's Vancouver as well.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I think like like you said, we're not the target audience for this movie. We were at one point, but not anymore. Well, and, I think it's uh, telling
0: that even when I was the target audience, there were other things even of the era that I gravitated to towards more.
2: Yeah. Um, Kurt and I talked a little bit last night because we both grew up, and I maybe you've seen it too, but we both grew up with the movie Three Ninjas.
0: Oh yeah, hell yeah, Three Ninjas. <laughs> yeah. Three Ninjas Strike Back. Three Ninjas at a theme park. Three Ninjas
2: with
1: Hulk you know, Hogan.
0: Yeah, with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> three and, uh, like, then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Turtles in Time. where <laughs> that they become one, the, samurai that turtles? One, but
2: yeah but like 3 ninjas doesn't have a great story <laughs> you know it's not like it's not groundbreaking but you know i liked it as a kid and i'm sure in the same way someone just will remember this mem- this movie with great fondness and looking at it through an adult lens is just not going to pay off for you i'm
0: really interested to see when us like the the 90s millennials like us when we mm-hmm. start getting into positions of authority and making shows like a stranger things that is just like stranger things, but for nineties kids.
2: Yeah. Early. Yeah. Late nineties, early two thousands. Um, so those are our our thoughts on the never ending story. I actually Uh,
0: had one, one, uh, word of praise of this movie. This movie feels like a movie. The, the, uh, picture quality is far better than Excalibur, and I don't know if it's just that Excalibur was made on cheaper film stock, what have you. Um, but th- it is definitely a higher quality of film being used, and it's better to look at better like composition of shots and whatnot. There's some really cool like matte paintings, I would assume, or miniature work with like the 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 capital the of the. What was the that place called that was like the Emerald City, so to speak?
2: Oh, I just don't even
0: care. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go into the wrap up now.
1: Uh, I can look it up. Uh... Now, let,
0: let end it. Don't don't look it up. Just <laughs> cut right now right so to the wrap up.
2: Part part of the part of what you're saying about picture quality was also just the quality of the two like videos that we watched um never ending story is just a higher bit rate
0: well then
2: (laughs) those are our thoughts on the never ending story uh join us after this we'll sum up our thoughts on both movies and talk about what you will hear from us next time so right after this (music) all right welcome back I imagine, like with most episodes, you've gotten a pretty good general feeling for what our thoughts on these two movies Excalibur. are. Excalibur. it's
0: Excalibur. Excalibur is the better movie. Watch Excalibur.
2: It is Excalibur. Um, I mean, you know, maybe fast forward through the first thirty minutes if it feels like it's getting a little long. Like once you get to the like introduction of King Arthur and pulling a sword from the stone, like you know the story. But the back half of that movie is like super fascinating. And goes along with the that thing I really like in stories where it invites you to to live in that world kind of after the um the conclusion of the the story to kind of think about like, oh, you know, what other stories could inhabit this space where the never ending story like Bastion has unlimited creative potential and all he does is just recreate it exactly as it was. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Ugh. (laughs) you know, but like we said, I mean, you know, it's, it's not a movie targeted as at a couple of 30 year old. The uh, thing is though, aside from
0: the sexual content that is pretty explicit in in Excalibur. (laughs) Yeah. Um, a child could watch Excalibur and get that sense of wonderment from it. Mm hmm. And I believe the obviously like the versions I saw didn't have the the naked sexual dancing and the uh, consensual non consensual sex scene in the beginning.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> trigger warning there for people. Uther Pendragon's a scumbag and deserves <laughs> to die. His it's son is
1: way scary. better. <laughs> yeah.
2: Also, <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention, but I love how just Lancelot straight-up no-call-no-shows to the uh, duel.
1: <laughs> and, the,
0: well, he shows up.
2: Eventually, yeah. <laughs> he also just no-call-no-shows to most roundtable meetings.
0: I mean, Lancelot was off questing, okay? The French were creating super dope adventures for him in France. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I do
2: like Lancelot's character a lot. Like, I think that is interesting, just the...
0: Well, if you like Lancelot's character a lot and his his struggles with his lust for Guinevere, then you should watch um, uh, First Night with uh, Richard Gere, Sean Connery, and another person.
2: <laughs> oh, well, when you sell it like that.
0: <laughs> it's got Sean Connery as King Arthur.
2: <laughs> King of the Bridge.
0: That's right, a Scot, the King of the Britons, <laughs> just uh, like Robert the Bruce.
2: <laughs> you call him Mother of Trebek. <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> it's gonna be a sad day when Alex Trebek finally passes.
2: he's too strong for that he is the he has
0: literal cancer,
2: he is the eternal yeah he hasn't he hasn't succumbed to it yet.
0: I mean, it's gonna happen. That's gonna capstone 2020. Oh Alex Trebek is gonna die.
2: It's just gonna open the worst future of 2021.
0: <laughs> Alex Trebek is the lodestone holding back
2: 2021. Oh, <laughs> uh, he must be protected at all costs. Um,
0: Save the the game show host. Save the world. <laughs>
2: uh, but yeah. That's gonna I guess do it for our thoughts on these two movies. Um
0: I think, yeah, at the end of the day, like Excalibur while it feels long, at least is a story in my opinion that's worth telling. Whereas the adaptation of the never ending story that I've seen, I don't care for. Yeah. I'm I wouldn't be surprised if there is in the works a reboot or another telling of it.
2: Yeah. Sorry, of the never ending story.
0: Of the never ending story, yes. Like the Warner Brothers currently has the film rights to King Arthur and that story.
2: Yeah, I I would imagine that with you know everything else that gets remade constantly, as soon as as soon as the movie industry spins back up, I think we're in for a lot of I don't know feel good. Uh, I'm also calling it. There's going to be a romantic comedy about COVID nineteen.
0: Yeah, we have that listed down. It's going to be some weird social distancing romance story.
2: Mm-hmm. Two people forced to quarantine together. Yeah. Or two people who meet over the It's going to be the new you've got mail.
0: Yep. You've got Tinder.
2: <laughs> uh, it will be a shitty product tie-in.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, you've yeah.
2: got Match.com.
0: <laughs> 13 <laughs> different paradigms of compatibility. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, God, that eHarmony guy. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. Oh, there's a blast from the past.
0: Join us next time when we review Traffic and Sicario. They're linked by one person, Benicio Del Toro. (laughs) He's in both of them.
2: And, you know, we'll be viewing them in a new and interesting light. (laughs) A brave new world. Ugh. So, yeah, join us uh, for that next time. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us in the meantime, you can email us at matchcutpod at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Twitter. And until then, stay safe. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Hey, everyone. Aaron here. Thanks for listening to the end. There is some extra stuff at the end of this episode. I just wanted to give you a heads up that it delves into some political topics, some stuff inspired by recent events. If that's not what you want from your entertainment product, I understand that. That's why I cut it out from the original episode. But if you want to hear some stuff that Matt and I said about current events, here it is. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See. Episode nine, just out of curiosity, two hundred and seventy-five million, worldwide one billion. Uh gross. Also gross. Yeah, money.
0: Disgusting. Eat the rich.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Fucking Disney man.
0: Um Uh Hollywood. Rename it Disney World, Uh huh?
2: Yeah. Remember what we talked about last time in a total recall of just like I use recall to influence people's thoughts like that's (laughs) like that's the kind of power that Disney is working with right now.
0: I mean, yeah, like an aside that maybe this will go after the episode, you know, Disney, they can literally edit history with movies they choose to show on their streaming platform that they own all rights to like Song of the South. Never heard of it hmm Um D- Han, Han always shot, you know, second. What are you talking about?
2: Yeah, that's the famous phrase. Uh s- put any clip up showing otherwise and we'll DMCA you into oblivion.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? It was always Hayden Christensen as a force ghost at the end. I'm gonna yeah. I know that's Lucas, but Disney is continuing that. Yeah. They have the power and the ability to release the original cuts remastered and they choose not to.
2: Yeah. I have those original cuts uh, remastered, by the way. It's on the, uh, it's on the server. It's, it was called the, um,
0: D specialized, I think D special editions or something like that where the guy is like, restore.
2: was it cut. I think they called it the silver screen edition though. Hmm
1: has
0: the original Boba Fett voice, which I can't even remember.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, let's see. There was a silver screen edition and there was a specialized edition. And then there's the um, toe
0: for grace cut of the prequels. That is apparently a <laughs> masterpiece that we'll never see because toe for grace. will doesn't have the balls to get sued into jail. <laughs>
2: So, the silver screen edition was a uh, restoration based off of a single 35 millimeter film print of the original movie. Um, and then the despecialized edition splices together clips from the 2011 Blu ray release, HDTV uh, broadcast of the special edition DVD, a version of the unaltered film included as a special edition on the 2006 DVD collection, and various scans of 70 millimeter and 35 millimeter prints.
0: Yeah the fact that people have to do this for what is arguably one of the biggest inter- entertainment properties in the world yeah that, to get just the original version just fixed up a little bit just like yeah m- like the Criterion Collection version of it
2: yeah it's like just show me the version that i saw you know not i but That I saw in movie theaters as a kid that, like, kicked off my lifelong love for this story. Just, like, give me that version. Like, this is the same as Kanye West going back and saying, I'm going to fix wolves. You know, it's this revisionist (laughs) bullshit.
0: (laughs) Once you have ruined something, you can't fix it. Like the South.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this will definitely go with the end. But, you know, Uh, it's just... How is that? This isn't like a genuine question because I know the answer. But like, how could the government not step in and stop a monopoly like Disney from like owning entertainment?
0: Oh, because after after Microsoft was, they used the antitrust laws on places like Disney and Apple and all of them banded together to get those antitrust laws stricken from the books. Yeah. And now oh, you one, have the mega corporations
1: yeah. for, yeah. I'm
0: really interested to see when us like the, the nineties millennials like us, when we mm-hmm. start getting into positions of authority and making shows like a stranger things that is just like stranger things, but for nineties kids.
2: Yeah. Early. Yeah. Late nineties, early two thousands
0: yeah growing up and being in you know middle school and elementary school yeah and then you see a school shooting happen the <laughs> school shooting and then you see 9-11 oh <laughs> uh, yeah
1: so and
2: then that you was...
0: grow up real early kid
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of the thing like that i've been hearing lately it's like oh you know the Democratic Party wants – and this will go at the end, I'm sure, as well. But, <laughs> you know, when I start the sentence with, oh, the Democratic Party. Um, the Democratic Party, like, is electing all these old people, like, like who are just are not in touch. And I think, like, Bernie Sanders is a special, you know, exception. But He's
0: in touch, but just because everyone else is so out of touch, somehow this guy's more in touch.
2: You're out of touch. Um but, yeah, like, you think about, like, what 90s kids or early 2000 kids went through. Like, like we saw the government, like, fail to act on gun control, you know, get embroiled in a useless war in the Middle East. Like, just. GSD
0: for days, fam.
2: <laughs> one of the greatest recessions in, like, modern history. You mean a depression. It's,
0: it's a depression.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then just a total mishandling of, like, a global pandemic and, like. It's just like you wonder why we don't fucking trust the establishment. Like <laughs> is Fuck this a, still a mystery I won't do to you? What you tell me. <laughs> yes. Says uh,
0: entire Capitol Hill of Seattle.
2: <laughs> yeah. Does nothing. Like we've been through police brutality before, the fucking Rodney King riots, like Yeah. How is how are we still dealing with this? <laughs>
0: How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? (laughs)